Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration is to inform you that you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness, but an asset to the kingdom of God, which is why Satan comes at you so hard. But know that in all these things, you are more than a conqueror through Christ and no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Despite what you go through, walk in your authority and know that God will be glorified through your life. Welcome to this year Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. It's Deanna Hobbs here bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. I hope you can hear the smile in my voice today and know how much I appreciate you tuning into the podcast globally. Our Daily Cup family is a strong army around the world, and because of your unwavering support, you are helping this 501c3 nonprofit ministry share the gospel. Every single podcast you hear is a free resource heard on select radio stations, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and wherever podcasts are heard. You are listening to the audio companion to today's written devotion, You Are a Threat, available right now at yourdailycupofinspiration.com. You can follow me on social media for more encouragement on facebook.com forward slash Deanna.Hobbs, Instagram.com at I'm Deanna Hobbs, and also the ministry Instagram page at Empowering Everyday Women. I am thrilled and elated that the Lord has been strengthening me all week and filling me with words to deposit in your spirit He is so good and faithful, and this is the set time and the appointed season for us to reconnect so he can release some uplifting encouragement into your heart. Well, the ministry received a beautiful praise report from Trinity in Ontario, Canada. She wrote into the ministry and said this, I was abused by an alcoholic father from the age of 12 to 16. I was raised by my grandparents who are Christians, but I resented my father and was filled with bitterness. So I turned away from God and ran to alcohol that nearly ruined my life. It will be three years in August since a friend sent me one of your devotions that started my journey back to God. Today, I am sober, saved, and thriving. I have forgiven my father and led him to Christ too. God is amazing. Listen here. (laughs) Oh my, I feel like running around the studio right now. Glory to the matchless name of Jesus. Trinity, this just blessed my socks off. I'm so glad God led you to this ministry, saved you, freed you from alcoholism, reconciled your relationship with your father and is getting the glory through you. Daily Cup family, can we get a good old praise break right here for what God has done in Trinity's life? (laughs) 
inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow in their faith. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. All right, now it is time to receive today's word from God, but first a prayer. God, you are amazing and incomparable. I am so humbled by the grace you have extended me to minister a word from you to the person you sent to press play. Bless this broadcast. Anoint every word I say. Let it penetrate the deep places in the listener so they will, without a doubt, know they have heard a word from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are a threat. Yesterday, I was sharing encouragement on my Facebook page. I love connecting with you all there, by the way. It is a tremendous blessing to share encouragement, prayer, and uplift you, my dear faith family. So thank you for following me and engaging with me on social media. Tuesday afternoon, I was reading some of the comments underneath one of my posts. This is something I don't get to do as often as I would like. However, I felt the Holy Spirit urging me to do it yesterday. And when I obeyed, God drew my attention to a response from a woman named Shay Bryant. In her comment, she was very honest, transparent, and raw. Shay said she's been praying about something but feels like God doesn't hear her, isn't there, or perhaps that she's doing something wrong. I don't think I have any fight in me left, Shay wrote, explaining to me that her strength is all gone and she's mentally and spiritually drained. She then requested prayer and said that she had suffered a nervous breakdown six years ago and is presently tired. As I read her words, my heart broke for Shay. Not only did I reply, but I interceded for her. I know how hard life feels when your strength wanes and your mental health takes a hit. It is devastatingly difficult. It can make life seem hopeless and the fight look pointless, but no matter how hard things get, we are not fighting on our own. I have to remind myself of this very thing many days and nights as I fight through feelings of sadness, anxiety, and confusion due to my traumatic brain injury diagnosis. Forgetfulness is something I deal with daily as well as negative thoughts that put me down and tell me that there is no way I can do all God has called me to do Having not-so-positive thoughts constantly bombarding my mind is something specialists say is normal for someone with my diagnosis, but this will get better as I continue cognitive behavioral therapy. Like Shay, there have been days when I've been exhausted, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. When I was first diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and extreme anxiety in addition to a brain injury, I had no idea how vicious my mental and emotional fight would be. Ooh, buddy. At times, it has taken every ounce and shred of faith I have in me to keep my head above water while feeling like I just might drown in my own tears. It gets dark. 
I have dealt with spontaneous crying spells, being startled and triggered, feeling like I'm dying because of panic attacks, getting jumpy, afraid and nervous, unable to carry on a one-on-one conversation because, well, anxiety, frustrated over not being able to figure out simple things that once came naturally to me. In the early days, Daily Cut family, I didn't understand why God would allow this to happen. Have you ever felt like that? Like, God, enough. Why won't you answer me? Why won't you relieve this pressure? Why not take this burden? Why not work an instantaneous miracle for me? You know, I was reading John 11, where Lazarus, Jesus's beloved friend, suffered. And he did not get an instantaneous turnaround either. Nope. When Lazarus became deathly ill, his sisters, Mary and Martha, who were also devoted followers of Jesus, sent a message to Jesus asking him to heal Lazarus. Although Lazarus's condition was grave and Jesus knew that, he did not come right away. He let Lazarus die. He let Lazarus's family and friends feel the pain of loss. He let them deal with disappointment that the Savior, the one who had power to change everything, chose to do nothing in that moment. I can hear family and friends saying, ain't that a mess, child? Jesus is supposed to be their friend, and he didn't even bother to show up when he knew Lazarus was sick. Girl, that's a doggone shame. It looked bad, right? But Jesus had a plan, didn't he? It wasn't the end of the story. Jesus resurrected Lazarus after he had been dead in the tomb for four days. It was the most amazing miracle Jesus had ever performed. And Lazarus got new life. Now, usually that's where we end the story. We rejoice that it's never too late for God to turn things around, shout, and go home. But wait, not so fast. Even though sickness no longer threatened to rob Lazarus of life, the enemy put out another hit on Lazarus. According to John 12 and 9 through 11, being resurrected from the dead by Jesus made Lazarus quite popular. When folks came to Bethany to see Jesus, they also came to see Lazarus. They wanted a glimpse of the miracle man. The paparazzi showed up. Groupies were outside the house. Lazarus was the man, the myth, the legend, and Jesus, the most legendary of all, grew in popularity too. Through this miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, God was glorified. More people than ever believed in Jesus because of this spectacular display of his divinity. All but the Jewish leaders, well, they were mad about it. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and they wanted to stop others from believing too. The chief priests' hearts were hardened against Jesus. So, as part of their plan to stop all this believing in Jesus business, they were going to kill Jesus. But not just him, they were coming for his suddenly famous good friend Lazarus too. The Jewish leaders said, on account of Lazarus, Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him, and that was a huge problem for them. Poor things didn't realize that they couldn't stop this unstoppable move of God. They didn't understand that Jesus was God wrapped in flesh and his redemption plan was already established before the foundations of the world. Their arms were too short to box with God, but they sure did try. While the Jewish leaders were plotting, 
God was working. In verses 12 through 16, when Jesus came to Jerusalem the next day, the crowd came with their palm branches and went out to meet him. Hosanna, they cried out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus rode on a donkey for his coronation ceremony, and this only made the homicidal leaders angrier. Verses 17 through 18 tell us that the crowd that witnessed the miracle continued to spread the word. Folks who heard about Jesus showed up to meet him. In verse 19, the Pharisees realized their pitiful little plan to shut Jesus down wasn't going to work. This revival was spreading. The movement was growing too rapidly. The Jews said to one another in exasperation, see, This is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They were so bothered by Jesus being the main attraction. And friend, it still bothers the enemy to this day. He hates to see God getting glory through your life. He hates it when the light of Christ shines through you and others come to know Jesus because of you. That's why Satan tries everything he can to silence your testimony, to afflict you and to take you out. You are a target because you're a threat. You see, you're an asset to the kingdom of God, but a liability to the kingdom of darkness. Your faith is attractive. Your praise is contagious. Your testimony is an effective witness to the supremacy of Christ, the sovereignty of God, and the authenticity of the miraculous. No wonder the enemy has put out hit after hit on you, on me, on us. He can't stand who or what we represent. He hopes that we will retreat and give up. Listen, the devil would never come this hard at a non-threat. The level of the attack on you is an indication of the level of the anointing on you and the level of power that's working in you. There's a Joanne Clancy quote I read the other day that says, be the kind of woman who, when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh no, she's up. (laughs) I love that. It's such a cool quote. At the same time, The impact of being that kind of woman, come on somebody, cannot be underestimated. I say that because when the enemy is threatened by you, you can be 100% sure that he's coming for you. He will come for your health. He will come for your finances. He will come for your family. He will come after your ministry, your purpose, your confidence, your mental and emotional stability. He will come at you full throttle with everything he has in his arsenal. Now, that's no cause to be afraid, but you do need to be aware. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Having an awareness of Satan's intentions is necessary, but being afraid is not. Again, you are a threat. Satan knows he can't defeat you, but he can target you. When he does, and he inevitably will, remember Isaiah 54 and 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Jesus Christ, the one who already defeated death, 
hell and the grave lives in you. Even when it gets hard, you have victory because you are victorious through him. You might cry, but you are not defeated. How do you know that? 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 through 9 in the King James Version which is what I'm stirring into your cup of inspiration says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. As you drink down the contents of your cup, remember that this is what the word of God tells us, but it is up to us to take ownership of what the word says, internalize the promises of God and believe them. When your faith is being tried and you are struggling, the word of God is still true. It is still effective and never loses its power. You only have one job to believe it. You are a threat, but no need to feel threatened because the greatest one of all is living in you and working for you. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this, my sister, this, my brother. Thank you for reminding them that Satan attacks them because you are using them to bring glory to your name. Even though they are a threat and he targets them, I'm grateful that you are letting them know that you have given them power, authority, and victory over the enemy and no weapon formed against them will be able to prosper. No matter what comes their way, help them to confidently declare that they are more than a conqueror through you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.